Hi, my name is Susan Wu. I'm a, a senior uh, product marketing manager here at VMware. I'm actually in the cloud natives apps uh, business unit. Did anybody hear about what we did this morning, our announcement? Okay. So cloud native apps in, in uh, VMware represents a portfolio of solutions. They're all container related and Kubernetes. So there's a product called vSphere Integrated Containers uh, where uh, virtualization admins can stand up containers, VMs, on vSphere clusters. There's uh, um, PKS, Pivotal Container Service, which is co-engineered between VMware engineers and um, Pivotal engineers. We do peer programming with them. And then the other product is a um, formerly called VMware Kubernetes Engine. It's uh, been renamed VMware Cloud PKS. So just a quick blurb on uh, the organization. Um, I spent a lot of time in products. This is my sixth product based on open source. I um, used to work at Oracle uh, for Oracle Enterprise Manager. My team built bi-directional connectors between system management solutions. But I went away from all that. Um, I worked on Canonical, Ubuntu, OpenStack, CloudStack. I'm one of the few people that have worked on both OpenStack and CloudStack. Um, and I went to .cloud when it was a past company, and it became uh, Docker, and I, I guess a lot of people know about that. Um, I worked at an open source virtualization company called Metonet. Metonet actually is a virtual networking solution, and um, it is fully open source. And at the time, it was open source, uh, open stack networking. It's all gone to container networking. And now I'm in the product team with the Kubernetes-based solutions. And uh, I actually had to run the company website, so I actually was the person who operated the WordPress on MySQL. And I moved that workload from Rackspace server, um, public cloud, Rackspace cloud servers, to on-premise OpenStack. Then I moved it to uh, AWS. Why did I do that? I had a outage for six hours, and I escalated immediately to the CEO, and I moved that workload within three days to AWS because it was an app that was uh, responsible for signups. And so when people tell you like it's critical, it's critical because I had to bring in signups, so moved it. So anyway, I'm here to talk about uh, what happens in open source. So I've been exposed to a lot of open source projects. So we uh, just through that, we I, I became aware of uh, what happens in open source. So just wanted to tell people how to get involved. My previous company, Mitokura, we actually created an open source project called Courier, uh, which is uh, mapping the Docker APIs with the um, Kubernetes API, and that's actually, that project is still running in uh, Red Hat today. The engineer that originally originated the idea was a mid-career engineer, and then he took that over to Red Hat. I'll explain a little bit how that works. Um, in open source, it's actually not really the company you work for. Your credibility comes from what you do, and so whatever you're wearing, that badge, it really isn't like how you affiliate yourself. You affiliate yourself with the open source community that you're part of. Anyway, how op typical open source projects work. So um, how many folks have stuff on GitHub? Code on GitHub? Me too. <laughs> you can check out my code snippets. Um, for the past year, I've been playing around with Go, 
a long time ago, I used to be Java. Um, the only reason I do that, and most product marketing people don't uh, pay attention to programming, is because I notice all the serverless and function projects are in Go. And so I just sort of, as a hobbyist, began picking it up. So you can check out my code samples. <laughs> um, so in the open source project, you have to have all your stuff, you have to code in the open. So everything's on either GitHub or GitLab, whatever it is. So VMware is a customer of GitLab. Um, most engineers' personal code is probably on GitHub. Um, so what's important is to set up governance. And the governance is um, every contributor has to sign a contributor agreement. And then you have to create like a code of conduct, how people would interact with each other. So actually, we have a community manager in VMware that's actually f trying to form a code of conduct for all VMware engineers across all these projects. Um, it's sort of difficult because each project has its own constituents. To try to do it across a company is very difficult. So he's trying to tackle that. And so, um, and then you you have uh, you agree on releases. So when I worked on CloudStack, every release is like four months. I think Kubernetes between the minor and major releases are like three months. But it, these kind of decisions are made by the people that actually work in that community. OpenStack, I think, for folks that are familiar, is six months. Um, how does this work, right? How, how do you start contributing? So there's, um, as I mentioned, there's these project owners. So when we, uh, when Mitokura uh, originated the idea, there were people that were uh, called PTLs, pro uh, tech, uh, uh, Project Technology Lead. So these people are not always coding, but they would actually review someone's code and actually comment on it and then decide whether it's a uh, something that fits in with that project. And it depends on the project. Sometimes there's a voting. You may need two PTLs to vote before you accept code into the, you know, it, you merge the code into the master. So these are the decisions that are made by kind of like a technical community for each of these projects. So when I, I observed the Courier project, it was done by two PTLs, and then uh, there were other other engineers that did not work for your company, but they were able to contribute. And some companies, some people uh, do this in a more open fashion. And so in open source, it's very important to do this in the open. As And when I was in Ubuntu, even requirements were discussed in the open. And um, I, I don't know if other folks have been involved with uh, other open source projects. Uh, maybe yourself. Uh, how, how did you observe how they gather requirements? Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Uh, another way to do it, actually, uh, product management does it this way, is uh, we open up a Git, uh, GitHub and we allow people to enter the requirements into GitHub. So that's a, that's a very uh, transparent way of collecting the requirements. Uh, the A little bit less transparent is maybe use JIRA tickets and then open it up to only select individuals or have a filter. Certain people can provide the requirements to another individual to submit into JIRA. But the most open way is to allow everyone to enter the requirements into GitHub. Because then when you make the changes, everyone can see it. 
And then uh, pull request is very common. You, know, you, pu you pull something down, and then you uh, maybe work on it, and then you contribute it back. So that's a very common approach. Um, so the repo owners are the ones that are making the uh, acceptance and the rejections. Um, but what we have, what I've seen in most open source projects, especially the ones like OpenStack and Kubernetes, is there's a, a loop, there's a uh, review process, and you might share your code with some peers, let them comment on it before you uh, let them uh, reject. And it generally, there's more than one reviewer. It's not like one person uh, making a rejection. And so the PTLs in OpenStack, they generally have two people. Uh, uh, there's generally two PTLs and, um, uh, and uh, reviewing the work. Um, let's see. No, no, wait, hold on. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's happening in the Kubernetes world is because Kubernetes is a very broad project, and we're using that as an example. Their communications, um, when they have a large, uh, you know, kind of like communications, you can communicate through the Slack channel. So as of today, there are about 44,000 people in the Kubernetes uh, Slack channel. Uh, one year back was only 22,000. And then maybe six months before that was only about 10,000. So this is one of the fastest growing. But what, how the Kubernetes SIG is working is actually by topic areas. Each topic so is, is uh, being uh, discussed in something called special interest groups. So VMware has, a, has a created something called a VMware uh, special interest group. And the reason this exists is we wanted to encourage people that are end users to participate and provide requirements on how they would like to run their uh, Kubernetes on vSphere. And so we have uh, formed the SIG. But what I've observed in my previous company in networking <coughs> is the networking SIG originally was discussing uh, and talking about networking plugins. And then through working in that SIG, they dis they've discovered that there were things that they wanted to do with policies. And I think they splintered at that group into a policy SIG. And then that networking SIG also splintered off into a security SIG. So I guess something that might have started off as a broad category might dig into specific categories. It sounds like you might have experience with something like that. You're nodding. And, and so um, that's what I observe in the Kubernetes. It may have started as a top level, then it became a policy SIG, then it became a security SIG. And for us at VMware, we formed the uh, VMware SIG is because we wanted to interact with the users that are running Kubernetes on vSphere. Because when you're building software, Getting the end user input is very important. And so I spent a little bit of time in Cloud Foundry as well. And they told me that the statistic of the end users in Cloud Foundry, 40% of them of Cloud Foundry Foundation members are actually end users. So that's surprisingly high, actually, because most um, open source projects have more developers than end users. 
Uh, and though uh, for OpenStack, I spent a lot of time with the operators uh, because when I worked at Mitokura, um, we also operated the OpenStack on-premise. So we had about a 1,000 node. So not only were we contributing, uh, and also offering commercial solutions, but we're also an operator. <laughs> um, so that sort of helped us understand uh, um, how to build the software, how to commercialize the software, but then how to operate that software. Uh, let's see. Um, very quickly, uh, the, the design meetings. I actually haven't spent a lot of time in design meetings. Um, I used to do that in Ubuntu, but in the Kubernetes world, I haven't spent a lot of time in design meetings. But generally, that's where you discuss the requirements. And um, with releases that are very frequent, um, during uh, OpenStack, uh, you might discuss the designs, and then the next release at the next OpenStack summit, somebody would have already, a, a small team would have worked on it. And um, what I've observed in Kubernetes is there's a lot of features that are in the alpha, and it takes many, many cycles before it moves to beta and then into stable. So, it, so the endpoint is. Every open source community is different. I'm getting time check. So uh, just uh, to show you, um, one of the stats is a lot of open source projects are abandoned. Um, but one way to look at the health of a community is whether there's uh, active contributions. And another good one is actually how ma many uh, communications are happening. So I used to observe the mailing list. So if there's a high degree of mail, um, you know, email interactions. Um, in the Apache uh, Foundation, every decision is discussed uh, through the mailing list. There's no hidden voting. Because in the Apache uh, Foundation, every member is equal. So you might have worked for a really large company, or you might work for a very small company. Your power in the Apache is equal. And I, I sort of like that. It's very uh, democratic in that way. But anyway, so just a, a, a feel for what's successful. So maybe meetups is another indication. And then um, commits is another indication. Uh, contributors is another indication. But actually, another good one is actually Stack Overflow, like how many questions are being asked. And when I was at Dot .cloud, we actually checked also like how many discussions are happening on Reddit. Anyway, I'm getting pulled. Anyway, um, last point, just if you're an end user, you should contribute. Because you want to be contributing your requirements into the organization. Even if you don't build it, you can contribute your requirements. Maybe if more than one user, they happen to have the same requirements, then a, a other developers might work together and, 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 and work on that feature. OK? Thank you very much. Thank you.